Welcome to Less Than or Equal, the podcast about pursuing equality in geekdom. I'm your host, Aline Sims, and today I am joined by Aaron Campbell. Aaron, welcome. Welcome. Thank you for having me. See, I'm so used to being my own host. I said welcome to you. See, I like it though. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing good. I, I'm great. You know, I had a, this weekend was a kind of rough. I had a bit of a, I, I suffer from acid reflux and I'd been doing really, really well this past month. I've been working on my diet and, and trying to eat better and not eat as much crap as I've been eating. And <laughs> I went to a magic tournament yesterday and ultimately ran into some friends, some listeners of the show. And, you know, if, if I, I like to think if I'm going out with friends, I try not to say, oh, I'll just have a salad. No, if you go out with friends, you want to live, you want to eat. And so we got burgers and poutine and fried pickles and I was like I'm gonna pay for this later um, and sure enough I woke up at like one in the morning breathing fire and I was like oh that was a mistake <laughs> I had so much fun and and uh, now I gotta go back to my broccoli and my rice and, and yeah. eating better that cost benefit analysis kind of is sad sometimes it's still so strange to me that I even have acid reflux. Like I was diagnosed at like 22 and I always assumed that was one of those things that like your overweight uncle at the holidays who would unbuckle his belt after he ate, that was something he had. I was like, I'm 22. I was like, how do I have acid reflux? And um, people don't realize how severe it can get. Mm -hmm. And you know, there are days you can't breathe. And uh, I've had moments where I've, I've had bile, I've had issues oh. with bile. I mean, it gets really bad and it just sounds like something really harmless. Like you see the Tom's commercials and yeah. Don't really cover all those things. <laughs> yeah, like the erosion of the esophagus and yeah, 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 scary stuff. So, yeah, it is. Well, who are you, Aaron? Oh man, I, you know I'm still asking myself that uh, sometimes. I think we all do, honestly. <laughs> Uh, well, to put it simply, I am a trans lady. I'm transgender. Uh, I During the day, I have a corporate job. I work for a Fortune 500 company doing quality control. Uh, in my spare time, I am a podcaster um, of a show called The Deck Tease. It is an interview style show um, about Magic the Gathering. And every week I have magic personalities on and I interview them. I've been called the Oprah of magic, the Terry Gross of magic, the Barbara Walters of magic. Nice. And uh, we get real. We find out all about them and you know we try to make it more about the people and not really what they play so how well i found you actually i put out an all call like hey i am interviewing or i am emailing not interviewing i'm emailing a bunch of people um let me know if you want to be on the show or have any suggestions you're like i want to be on the show and i was like yes <laughs> um but <laughs> you were like tifa robles can can vouch for me and tifa was like oh yes Aaron would be excellent so that's how how we got connected um so I was really interested to hear about, so I don't know if you listened to the show about magic that I did with Tifa, where it was uh -huh. abundantly clear that I have absolutely nothing, like <laughs> I have no idea about magic. And so when, um, when you were like, yeah, I'd love to come on, I was like, okay, so I downloaded the magic, um, 2015 app on my iPad and started playing. And I was like, I have absolutely no clue what I'm doing. Like even after going <laughs> through the tutorial, um, how did you get started playing though? And, and, and how did you get over kind of that learning curve? Because it's really complicated. Tifa was talking about how complicated it is. And I don't think I quite 
grasped that until I started with this app and no human interaction <laughs> with it. Well, I have to say you're definitely going about it the right way. Like typically when I hear that people are interested in the game or if I think somebody might enjoy it, I always suggest Duels of the Planeswalkers because it is a really good learning tool and you do learn the basics of the rules and, and what types of cards are out there and things like that. Uh, so, so you're definitely doing it right. You're starting off you know, the right way. I started playing in seventh grade. I vividly remember I was in Miss Hilmer's science class <laughs> and uh, my friend Samantha was playing and she had binders. And, and, you know, to be fair, I like to, I don't even think I was really playing back then. And I'm using like the air quotation marks, like playing, you know, I had cards, I was playing with my friends, but when you're in seventh grade, you don't have a lot of money for the game. You're probably not even playing it correctly. Like you're just going about how you think it should be done. And uh, so I was playing with friends and uh, we would play at our local game store and we would play in our basements and things like that. We would go to McDonald's every Monday. They used to have the special where you could get 20 nuggets, large fry and large soda for $5, which when you're in seventh grade is awesome. So we would go to McDonald's and pack a booth every Monday night and play magic. And uh, I played for a couple of years and uh, I live in Milwaukee, which was home to Gen Con at the time. So we would go and play the tournaments, but the tournaments were so outside of our league. You know, we couldn't even comprehend what those were about. And uh, then I stopped playing for a while. I mean, I graduated high school and then I didn't play. I played other games. I played tabletop games and World of Warcraft. And I picked up the game again about three years ago and uh, I'm still learning. You know, I'm still polishing my game and uh, I'm still not where I could be. And I'm learning things every day. Day, but, you know, it helps to have judges. You know, there are judges at every mm -hmm. event where if you don't know the rules, they will help you. And you're not really required to know everything. Um, most opponents are pretty understanding and there are different levels of competition. So if you go to like your Friday Night Magic, that's really the place to go to make mistakes and, and to learn what cards do because that's not competitive REL, as we call it. Um, once you go to a tournament, though, you are expected to know a little bit more. There are still judges there, but you know, if you make a mistake, your opponent won't really let you take it back. Whereas if you're at FNM, they might let you like, oh, I meant to play this instead. They may let you go back and do it over again. So there are places to learn and get your feet wet. Yeah, I um, I said recently, and I don't remember if it was on the magic show or I actually did a show with um, Donna prior about tabletop games. And um, I said that my game store went out of business and they used to have magic tournaments and magic classes and that kind of thing. So I kind of put out an all call and had some listeners suggest some Phoenix area game stores that I could go to, but they're like 20 miles from me. So I haven't had a chance <laughs> to go in yet. What draws you to magic though? Why, why do you enjoy playing it so much? Honestly, it really is about the people, you know, and that's something I've kind of realized over the past year or so is that, you know, I, you know, I used, I went into it thinking I was going to be this great player and I've realized that I, I will probably never be on the pro tour and I'm okay with that. Um, but, you know, really it's the people, you know, going to events. Part of the reason I came back to Magic was that I played World of Warcraft for six years and, you know, I hid behind a computer screen and I was tethered to my headset and I really just missed people. I, I felt like my social skills had atrophied over the years. <laughs> And I had become a lot more awkward um, because you're not really having to look at people. You're not having to, you know, deal with people to a certain extent when you're mm -hmm. playing an MMORPG. And I missed that. You know, I wanted people that I could see and I could touch. And, you know, I didn't have to just sit and look at these four walls all day. I could go out into the world and play events. And so I love going to different states and different cities and, and experiencing the network where, you know, like this, this coming weekend, I'm going to Omaha, Nebraska, and I'm staying with a friend. And if I wanted to go to Baltimore, 
in February, I can stay with a friend there too. And it really does just open you up to this network of amazing people that have similar interests and look out for one another. And, and I love that. I love going to events and, and the events are so huge now. They're over a thousand people, like just being around all of that. I'm an extrovert. I love that. Well, and how has podcasting and interviewing magic players helped you with that networking and help you build, helped you build friendships? Well, there has been a certain amount of fame that's come with the show. Nice. <laughs> um, I still think of myself as being this humble show that nobody listens to. And I'm reminded every day that that's not the case. <laughs> like I'm going to Omaha next weekend and my friend, uh, she sets up the events for her store on Facebook. And she said, do you mind if I announce that you're coming? And I'm like, why would you do that? And she's like, well, there are people who are listening to the show and they're going to want to meet you. And I was like, why would it? Okay, whatever. And, um, you know, so there are moments like that. I, uh, I made play mats for my show. I have, I have swag now. And I, my first batch was 25 play mats and I sold out. And I didn't think that would happen. I was like, oh, great. I'm going to have to mark these down 50% and give them away. And I only kept one for myself. And then I gave one away to a, a charity event. And then the rest, everybody paid for. Nice. <laughs> um, which again, I did not think would happen. So, so I'm always being, you know, reminded of how big the show is or surprise. And it's just been a really wild ride. Yeah, I, um, I'm going to PAX East in March. Mm. And so I was like, oh, you know, I have, I have many friends in Boston as a result of doing the show, which is kind of why I asked, because it's been really interesting, these really strong friendships that I've built. You know, mm -hmm. uh, my husband and I are going to stay with Ken Gagney, who does the Polygamer podcast, and he was mm -hmm. a guest on my show. And um, we're going to stay with him for a night. And then we're going to meet some of the um, isometric podcast crew and, and maybe do something. And so I had some stickers printed and I, I had a hundred done and I was like kind of in that place that you're describing where I'm like I'm gonna have these hundred stickers and I'm not gonna charge for them it's just gonna be like a hey I'm wearing blah 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 today just come up to me and I'll give you a sticker and I'm like I'm gonna come home with 97 of these stickers <laughs> so so um so I kind of understand that feeling a little bit of like I don't know if this is a good idea or not and going back to the strong friendships, I mean, I met Tifa through the community. And I remember, I like to tell people the story. When I first encountered Tifa, I totally hated her because she was that girl that had every, let me explain, let me explain. Okay, okay. She was that girl that just had everything where it's like, you know, you're looking at her and she's cute and smart and she has the great boyfriend and the dream job at Wizards and her eyeliner is flawless. And she seems to be able to eat what she wants and never gain a pound. And you just look at her and you're like, oh God, is there anything wrong with you? like ugh, and and I remember just being so like you know I would just be so envious of her and then when I finally got to meet her and I had her on the show she was just so beautiful inside and out and um and so lovely towards me and I remember they invited me to their wedding and I didn't think that I knew them that well and I remember going around to other people in the community and being like oh yeah you're going to her wedding too right and they're like no we didn't get an invite and I'm like oh, oh. so <laughs> so I you know that sort of I had no idea that I I meant that much to them where I secured an invite and and her and Mike have been so supportive of me and I've had her on the show a couple of times and and yeah had I not been in the community and doing this show I probably wouldn't be as good of friends with her as I am and that's just uh, that's amazing you know yeah, she's, um, I don't know her well. My only interaction with her really was um, doing the podcast episode with her and setting it up. But we have mutual friends kind of in the, the gaming space and in the, um, what am I trying, the video gaming space. <laughs> and um, 
And so like every I've never heard a bad thing. You're like like that that envy that you had is like mm-hmm. the only bad thing that I've heard about her because <laughs> she's just so um like you said sweet and gracious and kind and giving of her time and energy and um and I I aspire to be more like that, you know. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> it's funny that you say aspire because I actually made her cry at her wedding. Um, so so everybody was doing the wedding speeches and I had come up with a little something and I didn't they didn't call on me or anything, which is fine. I'm not you know, I'm not that close to them, right. you know. But once they were done and her and Mike were doing their rounds, I pulled her aside and I basically said to her, you know, when you're trans, you're constantly bombarded with images of what kind of woman you're supposed to be. You know, you see magazines and movies and and you're told to sit a certain way and flip your hair this way or whatever. And I basically just told Tifa, you know, if I had to be any woman, I'd want to be like you. Like you are a good woman. You are a woman. You're a woman that I look up to and that I would aspire to be. And it's funny that you say that because I told her the same thing and she totally cried. (laughs) And I was like, you know, if I could be a tenth of what you are, I I would feel complete as a woman. I'm doing it right. And, and yeah, that was a, that was a big moment for me. Wow. Yeah. You know, so this is something that I've been thinking about a lot lately is that like, what does it mean to be a woman or a man? And, um, and like this, this spectrum of, I guess, gender identity, because I think about myself and, you know, I was, I was assigned female, you know, gender at birth and I've never not felt like a female, but I'm like, I don't wear makeup. I like didn't brush my hair yesterday. Um, you <laughs> you <know>. too, girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I'm like, you know, there's there's such a broad spectrum of of what it is to be a woman. And the reason I'm thinking about that right now is you were talking about being bombarded with these messages about what it is, and and I think it's confusing for everybody. You know, like, yeah. like we're all, you know, um, Dwayne DeFore um, talks about tos- toxic ma- masculinity and our culture teaches boys not to cry and you're going to sure. be strong and you're going to do, you know, and and um, and I wish we could just wipe all of this gender identity stuff away and just be like, OK, it's time to be people and yeah. stop like stop with all this crap. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's 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 weird because, you know, I for me personally, you know, I've always felt like this was meant to be. I remember being a baby or not being a baby, but I remember hearing stories where when my mother had the ultrasound, I was supposed to be a seven pound, 10 ounce girl. Um, and she had named me Cassandra Alexis and they bought everything pink. And I came out a nine pound, 12 ounce boy. <laughs> um, so even going back then, I, I like to say that the, that the gender was wrong and that it was a mistake or what have you. Um, and, you know, all my life, you know, I remember being a little kid and my mother having to constantly cut my my hair because I was mistaken for a girl at five and six years old. And uh, I just never felt like one of the boys. I certainly never looked like one of the boys. And it just always seemed like something that was meant to be where I can't think of a time in my life where I didn't feel that way or other people didn't see me that way. It just always felt like this is where I needed to go. And I'm, I'm finally there and it feels great. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. <laughs> it just, I think it's, I think it's wonderful. I really do. Yeah. So You've got magic, and you've also talked about World of Warcraft, which we also have in common. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you are you s- alliance or horde? It depends. 
Um, you so, gotta pick one. No, 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 because so this is why I do the podcast is because I'm like, I can see kind of both sides of the story. So I feel like I can have dialogues with different sorts of people. And and so I've, I do primarily play Alliance, <gasps> but I have had some some really awesome, exciting times playing as Horde. Like my favorite, I think my favorite character was an orc hunter. Um, and I haven't played, so I, I just started playing again, I think in November, um, after about 18 months away. And so I haven't played that character yet. Um, Mm -hmm. but I loved it, you know, and then my husband (laughs) is very, very staunchly Alliance and I'm I'm sorry. And you married him anyway? I did. (laughs) He's, he's okay otherwise. Well, and I play with, um, my guildies are all at my workmates, okay. um, which is why I started playing again, and they voted pretty much unanimously to be Alliance. And I was just like, I don't care. I like I like playing all of the zones and all of the all of the different races. So you know, whatever. Um, so horrid, huh? <laughs> Yeah, I'm very much a horde girl. I horde pride, Loktar Ogar. Yes. <laughs> so for what? The horde. What? Uh, what class and race do you play? Uh, currently, I am a Tauren shaman. I am a rest of shaman with elemental tendencies. But before that, I was a priest for about two years, and then I was a resto druid for five years. Uh, so you like played- being squishy. <laughs> no, I enjoy healing. Oh, okay. uh, I love healing a lot. I, I like the privilege that comes from being a healer. I like the feeling of control that comes from being a healer. And I just love healing. You know, give me 25 health bars that are slowly fading fast. And that's my scene. <laughs> See, and that's I'm the exact opposite. So I appreciate people like you who want to heal. But I'm like, I want to do DPS. Like, I don't want to tank. I'm all about hurting things and killing things. And, and that's my jam. So well, I do that soloing, like I do my dailies or the elemental, but, and it's funny to mention that because I find DPS to be so much more stressful where there's, you know, target swaps and there's, you know, do damage, but, you know, do it on the ads. And then the DPS meters are a thing. And I find DPS to be much more stressful. See, and I think the thing for me is I've primarily played in small groups just for fun. You know, I've never mm. done end game raiding or anything like that. So I like to kill something quickly and then move on. I don't, you know, those the squishy clothies, you know, I, I've tried playing priests and mages and that kind of thing and I just it takes so long to level and Mm -hmm. so I like I just like being in it out so it's funny you say that because I've always been a raider when I stopped playing World of Warcraft I quit two years ago around the time that Mist came out and at the time I quit my guild was 250 we were one of the top 250 guilds in the United States Um, so I've always raided I've never known a time where I didn't raid I'm starting to raid now that's why I love World of Warcraft and that's why I play I love to raid I love to see content and that's what made the leap to magic sort of painful for me and I still have issues with it is that I never quite got over that fall from grace because when I left World of Warcraft I was I was a, a notable personality and I was in a good guild I had good gear people came to me for advice I had a blog about being a healer my guides were known I did some light theory crafting and to be up there and then start playing a game where you're not very good and nobody knows who you are and you're making lots of mistakes was very humbling and to a certain extent I never really got over that 
where there are still feelings where I will do poorly at a tournament and I will think I gave up that for this. Like, you know, I could be an elite Raider right now and instead I'm going one in five at a tournament. Like, what is this? And I still have issues with that, of, of what I gave up to play Magic because it, it, it doesn't feel worth it sometimes. That's really interesting. So why do you continue to play Magic and um, instead of the heavy duty rating of uh, in WoW? Because my life has changed to such a point where I just can't do it anymore. You know, when I look back at what I used to do, I'm amazed that I was able to keep it going as long as I did. Like, I mean, I raided with no, I mean, well, we, we had breaks in that we didn't raid every day, but it's like I raided three days a week for three expansions. I mean, I raided in Burning Crusade. I raided in Wrath. I raided in Cataclysm. And I didn't have, I, that's all I did. You know, once I hit max level, I was playing three days a week raiding another day for farming and getting all of your materials. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did week after week after week after week. And you know, now it's like I have a career and I have friends and I have family and I have, I like free time. You know, I, like, right. I like going to bed at 7 p.m. if I want to and eating cashews in bed or you know, just all those things that I didn't do. And, and it really is a wonder that I kept it going as long as I did, where it's just like, wow, how did I do that? How did, how did my friends put up? How did I have any <laughs> friends? How did my apartment stay clean? I don't know how I did it. Like if I had to do it again, I don't know if I could, like it, it was just such a, you know, the, my life has just changed so much where yeah. I can't. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if that's why I never got into it is because of that time commitment. You know, I was in my I don't know, mid twenties when I started playing and, you know, I had, you know, I was fresh out of college cause I graduated kind of late and, mm -hmm. um, you know, I was with my now husband and had a full-time job and had, you know, all of these other obligations and rating always seemed like, um, not a time sink, but, a, a major time investment where it's like, okay, you can't, you can't raid and do something else at the same time. You've got to be there. You've got to be focused. And I think some of the intensity of, of some of the guilds kind of intimidated me too, where I was like, you know, like I'm a button masher and you know, I, I, I press buttons. Oh, you were that person where like we could hear it in your microphone, like <laughs> <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah. Um, you know, but that's just that. And that's what I do. And I have fun. And I, I, you know, that's the whole point. But I think it's really, it's really interesting. And I also wonder if, because um, I'm very introverted. So I'm wondering if my introversion versus your extroversion also might have something to do with that, too. It's possible. I mean, we, we certainly had our raiders that didn't talk. They just did their jobs and they didn't even talk in their microphones. And, you know, the one time that they would, the whole raid would stop and you'd be like, <laughs> what? Who's that? Right? And, yeah. They'd be like, oh, that's the rogue that never talked. And it was always the rogue. I don't know what that is. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there were my friend Natasha. She's a... Uh, I'm not sure if she's a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but she deals in, in mental health and things like that. And she uh, she forwarded me a, a link to a study or a paper about how the traits that people have that makes them be alliance or that makes them be horde. And and then, you know, I would you know, I would imagine that there are studies that break it down in terms of your class like mm -hmm. what what makes people want to be healers, what makes people want to be tanks. And I definitely think that there are some character traits there that you know, make people gravitate towards those things. And um, yeah, I think that's so fascinating. That that's, I do too. that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. The other thing that we have in common is tabletop gaming besides magic. <gasps> yes. So yeah. what do you like to play? 
Well, I played Vampire the Masquerade for several years. Mine was primarily a LARP. Okay. <laughs> Full nerd, baby. We nice. went all the way. I like it. Yeah. No, that's oh, yeah. your, your home. That's what this <laughs> podcast is about. Oh, man. I had that Daughtry song in my head now. I'm running home. Okay. So, uh, so, yeah, I played Vampire the Masquerade. I was a LARPer. And, of course, I was a Sabat fan because, you know, Sabat whore. There's not a big difference there. And uh, I only played tabletop when my LARP group fell apart. And my LARP group was so good. And, you know, they role played so amazingly well. And I was very spoiled with that group. And I tried finding other groups after they fell apart and none of them compared. So at that point, I threw in the towel and just did the tabletop version. And uh, it was nice. It just didn't really keep my interest the way that LARPing did. And I still have all of the vampire books. I still read them for fun. I still remember so many of the details. Like I can tell you the history of the Giovanni clan and, you know, all this craziness. And nice. uh, yeah. So I've never done any live action role playing. Mm. What is, I, I haven't even played Dungeons and Dragons, which is, <laughs> you know, a sub, I guess could be, isn't always, but um Wow. How do you get started with with LARPing? Like, how did you get started with LARPing? Oh, man, the story is so bad. Oh, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> so I was at Gen Con because Gen Con used to be in Milwaukee and I was playing Pokemon at the time. I know. I know. Oh, no, and, no, no. Uh, Oh, okay. So that's huh? cool here. Okay. Oh yeah. No, okay. everything's right. cool here. That was a moment of my life where I still <laughs> kind of wonder what I was thinking, but I did play Pokemon. I played the card game and <laughs> there was a man and a woman who were handing out flyers in the exhibition center to play vampire. And the guy was cute. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. So I was like, yes, I would love to play this. She's your wife. That's okay. She's not going to be there. Is she? Okay, it's fine. So so I went to this game and I had never done anything like that before. And I was just hooked. Like once I, they handed me a rule book and I was reading it in between scenes and uh, it was just so immersive and so flavorful. And I read the book in like two days, the whole rule book. And I started looking for the clan books. I would go to Half Price Books and pick up the clan books. And I just dove in. And uh, it was just an amazing world that, they created um, White Wolf created and the characters and again my my group was so amazing uh, you know people really put so much thought into their characters and the costumes and, and we had a great venue at the time and I, I couldn't help but fall in love with it it was great so what is the story of Vampire because I'm not familiar with it at all well, there have been a couple revamps, no pun intended. I prefer the <laughs> old style of Vampire. So the, the theory behind Vampire, it tends to be more of a political game. So the way the mythology goes is that there was Cain and Abel, and Cain was the original vampire. He was the first. And then Cain had the second city, and he made three, who then made 13. And from those 13, the all of the vampire clans came from them. Whether that's their original founder or whether they overthrew their founder, through some other means. Those are the original 13. Um, and then the clans break down into sects, S-E-C-T-S. There's the Camarilla and the Sabbat. And the Camarilla believes that vampires should blend in with humans and, you know, we don't want to dominate them and we we can't dominate them and we should sort of coexist with them if we can. And the Sabbat believe that we should not hide our natures and we should rule them and they're nothing but juice boxes. And and uh, they have their own struggles and, and they t- you know, the game takes place in a city and there's politics and you know uh business you can you can make money and uh it's a lot of fun so is it hmm, i'm trying to think of something i'm familiar with that mm-hmm. that it would be uh similar to and i can't i've got something in the back yeah, of my head much. like kind of um 
So are you trying to build an you're trying to build an empire, right? Kind Essentially. Of? Yeah. So in our game, for example, our game was a Camarilla city and it was ruled by what they call a prince. And that's a gender neutral term. So there could be female princes as well. And uh, there was a prince and then they had a council and they were just trying to keep the city going and, and pulling strings behind the scenes to you know to exert their influence. And and then you had the independents who would come to the city and my clan was an independent clan. So, you know, we were trying to establish a foothold and getting good with people and then there are the antagonists like the sabbat so the sabbat does their little they create chaos throughout the city and they try to you know upset the balance or whatever um and then there are werewolves and they want to kill all vampires so the you know the people are just trying to keep the city alive and and going through all of these things interesting so and you don't do it anymore that's sad (laughs) <laughs> I wish I did, though. Like, I mean, there is a right. group in Milwaukee that still plays, but I the few experiences I've had with them, they weren't very good role players, and I'm a bit of a snob like uh-huh. that. So I just didn't want to deal with those personalities, and I didn't care for some of the people. And I'll admit that, you know, I wasn't necessarily the nicest when I had played with them back in the day, so they're not exactly excited to put me back in. Gotcha, yeah. <laughs> and it's also on Fridays, which, you know, which clashes with Friday Night Magic. So there's just yeah. a lot of reasons why I don't anymore, but I still miss it. I still read the books i still buy the books and uh it's a great game nice so i know i have a lot of listeners who are who are starting podcasts this year Mm -hmm. and i was wondering since you have an interview podcast like i do um what tips and tricks you might have for them Oh, man. Um, Well, the first thing I always tell people who are thinking about getting into the podcasting game or the blogging game is to bring something different to the table. Um, I get so many people coming up to me and they're like, hey, Aaron, I got this great idea for a show. And I'm like, all right, cool. What is it? And they're like, it's going to be me and my friend and his friend. And we're going to drink and talk about gaming. Mm hmm. And I'm like, well, there's this show and that show and that show over there. And what was your idea again? Like, <laughs> you know, you've really got to find a way to set yourselves yeah. apart and, and, you know, come from a different angle or have a personality that other people you know, haven't already, you know, that, that, you know, find someone that's not like you, you know, and um, just find a way to change the game because it's very easy to do what's already been done before. And, um, and I admire that. I love shows that that break the mold. Uh, There's a magic show called Magic the Amateuring, which I'm a big fan of. And uh, it's two ladies, which alone is huge in the magic community. (laughs) That's like freaking unicorns. Um, (laughs) So they have their own show and they're both uh, they're both comedy nerds, like theater nerds. So they tend to break into song or they'll do like improv skits or whatever. But they also made sure that they tailored their show to newer players, which is a really under um, underserved part of the magic community. So they said, okay, we're going to make this show for new players because we're new players. And we're also going to do these sketches and these skits and be fun. And it's just novel from top to bottom. And I think that's exactly what you're supposed to do, you know, find something that's not being done before and and do it and be good at it. Yeah. And I think the problem with those types of shows where you sit around with, you know, three or four friends and, and drink or don't drink and talk and record it, like for the most part that doesn't work you know yeah it, it's you have history and and inside jokes that nobody else thinks and is scheduling funny and yeah um and and yeah it's really really hard to pull that off there are there are shows that have and there's mm-hmm. shows that do isometric i mentioned before is one of my favorite shows i'm friends with a couple of the hosts but you know they're four people who come together and talk every week about games and they do it really really well but i've heard a lot of podcasts where they don't do it really really well and it's like you know it's 
it's hard. You know, people think it's e- it's easy, but it's it's really really hard. Well, I think it's easy to start a podcast. It's a lot harder to maintain a podcast. You know, there's a uh, there's a hub for podcasts about magic called MTG Cast, and there's dozens and dozens of shows on there. But there are also so many shows that never got past like episode seven or episode ten. And you know, people always start off with really good intentions, but to keep it going week after week and to keep it fresh and and to stay motivated, that's something a lot of people can't do. Um, so it's always harder to maintain it and hold on to to what you've created than it is to start it. It's very easy to just get two friends on Skype and and talk trash and hit the record button, right. you know, but it's a lot harder to to keep it going. Yeah. And to make it something that that people want to listen to as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and my other big piece of advice is just start where you are. You know, you can always upgrade equipment and, and, oh, yeah. and your setup over time. But, you know, Skype and call recorder and, and you can get going. I use a $30 headset that I bought from Office Depot. (laughs) My show is so bare bones. It's not even funny. Like I am not fancy mic girl. I don't have like, you know, the the cover that goes over microphone. I don't do that. Like it's just me sitting in my underwear, eating gummy worms and recording my show. It's that's all it is, you know, and and I think that that's really sometimes all you need, where if the content is good, people won't care. And I, you know, I really truly believe that, you know, you can have a $300 microphone, but if your conversation is stale or you're not interesting, it's not going to matter. Like people come back for the content there. There've been so many shows where I am a really harsh critic. And there've been times where I've thought that I didn't say something correctly, or maybe there was something I didn't edit that I, and I've sweated it so hard, but because people liked the content, they didn't notice it. They didn't mm-hmm. care. And, and, you know, there are still times where I need to just say, let it go. You know, it's a, it, no one's going to care. They might not even notice it. Maybe they're not as picky as you are. And they just didn't listen for it. They wanted to hear what I had to say. They wanted to hear what the guests had to say. And that mattered more than the reverb or the echo or the whatever. It was just silly. Yeah, I totally agree. I listen to a lot of podcasts that are really, really high quality. Like these people Mm -hmm. are maybe not audiophiles, but they're pretty close to being, you know, very they're very, very picky about their audio quality. And I try to be. (laughs) um, But, you know, sometimes, you know. What can you do? And yeah, yeah, and I haven't had anyone come to me and say, oh, well, you know, the show is echoey. And I know there were at least a couple where there was something going on in the room that I couldn't figure out. And there was some echo in the background. And, you know, you just kind of, yeah, make sure your content is good and, you know, do the best you can. The other piece of advice that I personally have is don't worry about the numbers. Um, It's very easy to get wrapped up in how many Twitter followers you have or you don't have or how many downloads you have or what number you are on iTunes. And, you know, I to this day, I don't know how many subscribers I have. I don't know how many downloads I get. I just don't want to know. And I think it's really important to set like your own metric or your own standard for success and let that be the judge. I I mean, and that's another reason I see I see people stop blogging or I see people stop podcasting is they you know, they get wrapped up in the numbers. They're like, oh, I, I only have 90 followers and, you know, I, I'm never on iTunes and nobody retweets me. Keep going. Like, just you cannot let that get to you. And if you're looking at that, then you're doing it wrong because all those numbers, there's so much more to them than just the surface. And it's really easy to get lost in them. And um, I just don't. I mean, my always said my metric is love. If people love the show and as long as they get compliments and as long as people come up to me at events and say positive things, then I keep doing the show. Um, once the love stops, then I'll stop. But I don't I don't really put a lot of faith into that. You know, I just can't. Yeah. And it's interesting you say that because um, I I don't get wrapped up in the numbers, but I do check my downloads and I do check, 
you know, Squarespace report subscribers. And, um, and the only reason I care is because if I have more listeners, it's easier to attract more people to guests to come on and for me to talk to. Um, but I think I'm going to stop looking because I've had some really, really awesome guests. I've had, you know, like Serenity Caldwell from um, iMore, Jonathan Mann, who does a song a day, you know, people that other people haven't even heard of. Uh-huh. And um, and they're really good, really interesting conversations, I think. And apparently other people think because I do have people who listen. So that's nice. Um, but yeah, I think that that's really, really important is, you know, Numbers only matter if you're trying to go for sponsorships. Uh-huh. And to get a sponsorship, you've got to have a lot of listeners. Like a yeah. lot of listeners, a lot of Well, downloads. I mean, I'm sponsored by a website and then a game store. And, and I, I don't think I'm that special, but I have sponsored. I guess you could say I'm sponsored. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, going back to what you said, that was interesting that you said that you felt like you needed the numbers to get you guests because I was able to attract bigger guests when I didn't have a lot of followers. But again, going back to it being about your content, you know, people didn't know who I was, but they my approach was so good. Like I was very professional. Like I would send a really nice email. And I would say, Mr. Castle, I'm a big fan of your work. And that's what made them come on my show. Um, the fact that I seemed to know what I was doing, the fact that, you know, I, I put together a good show. It didn't matter how big my following was because everything else was on point. Um, you know, and I think also to me personally, I do better when I think nobody's listening. Mm. And when I start to realize that people are listening, that's when I start to panic. And I start to, <laughs> I can feel my content going downhill right. because I'm being preoccupied with, is my intro theme good enough? Should I have said it that way? People liked me and people got on board with my show because I didn't give a crap. You know, I was the girl that was just doing it. And if you happen to listen, Godspeed, but I've (laughs) never been the girl that cared. So it's, you know, it kind of painted me in a corner where I can't start caring now because that's not why people came along. They came along for the crazy, you know, the, the, (laughs) the the shenanigans and the, the outspokenness. And, and that's kind of my thing. That's my brand. And, um, I can't really go back on that now and be like, I got to watch my P's and Q's. They don't want to hear that. Right. (laughs) Well, so I've interviewed, not interviewed, I have emailed people and because they have never heard of me, they Mm -hmm. refuse or, you know, well, I could always go with this other person. And so, you know, it, it, it is for me in my space, it seems like that that maybe matters a little bit more. But having said that, again, I've had some really, really cool people on this show. Yeah. Like, I'm really, really excited that I got to talk to, you know, people I followed online for several years. I think that's I think that's cool as hell. That's so strange to me that people I mean, I can honestly say that I can honestly say that I've never been turned down if I've ever been turned down, it's either because of scheduling, like that person is so busy, like they're they're expecting a baby and they're, you know, they have deadlines and things like that. But I've never had anybody, I, I mean, I... You know, going back to a time where my show wasn't as big, I was still able to attract talent. And I've never had a problem with finding people who just want to talk about themselves. Like, um, especially when, you you know, it's an interview show, you just, you know, they get to talk about themselves. Who doesn't want to do that? Like, that's so foreign to me. Like, I can't believe people would do that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, you know. I'm going to try again, though. So, <laughs> Well, I will certainly do whatever I can to get the, the word out there. Is I think oh, you're doing yeah. a good job. Oh, well, thank you. No, and, and that's, you know, and you know, bad timing or whatever may have been a factor too. But, 
But yeah, it has been interesting to me. And I do wonder how much of it has to do with um, just the different industries that we're talking about. But um, the nice thing is I'm not limited by a whole lot because I kind of subscribe to Will Wheaton's um, theory of what makes a geek, which is, you know, being a geek isn't what you love, it's how you love it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I had um, a friend email me and say, oh, well, what about contra dancing? Is this, is this geeky enough for your show? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't really know what that is. Let me look it up. And I was like, well, why not? You know, people, people go practice this regularly. Of course, yes, it's geeky, you know. So um, I appreciate that about my show is that it's broad. And I think, you know, I know that there are a lot of people who listen for just the person who's on the show. But if, you know, my regular listeners are going to get like a wide variety of experiences and and, and maybe learn about things that they'd never heard about before, too, like contra dancing. Absolutely. So, um what what is the most unusual interview you've ever done or the most who is the most unusual personality you've t- ever talked to on your show? Oh wow. I can't really think of anybody who's been unusual. Um and that was probably the wrong word to use, but like No. <laughs> like um I, I'm trying to think of what I'm trying to ask. Like <laughs> I guess this is more this is more the question. What interview sticks out the most in your mind? You know, I, I like to say that all of my interviews have what I call gems, where there, there's one moment in every show that I'm super, super proud of and that mm-hmm. I can point to and say, you know, you will never hear this on another show. They will never talk about this ever again. And it's very hard for me to choose. You know, I, I one of my shows I did a couple of weeks ago with Brad Nelson was probably one of my best. I was very, very proud of that moment. But, you know, I, I look at moments instead of shows as a whole. Uh, I'm really proud of the fact that people feel comfortable enough to, to review things on my show. Like I've talked about drug addiction, alcoholism, and, uh, you know, separations. And, and I really like that people feel comfortable enough to, to reveal those things on my show and that people don't think of it as being exploitive or, or that I'm using it for, for listens or things like that. I like that people feel comfortable enough. And But it's moments like that where I feel, you know, when someone, like I had a, a guest on my show named Mark Nestico and we were talking and he was like, yeah, I've been clean for six years. And I'm like, I'm looking over my notes. I'm like, um, you didn't mention drugs here. What, what? And, you know, the fact that people feel like they can open up to me, that's what I love the most. And those are the moments in every episode where I'm like, you know, I'm doing good work here that people feel comfortable enough to, to reveal or to open up to me. And uh, I have moments I love the most, but not really whole interviews. So if if my listeners want to start listening to your show, do you have an episode that you recommend they they start with? I do. I actually made a show. I think it was episode 93 or 95. It was called Teasers and Pleasers. And I think it was a holiday show. So I still had to put out an episode. So it's like, we'll just do a Greatest Hits episode. Um, So I stitched together about seven or eight shows that were my favorite moments, you know, going back to moments on the show. And and it gives people an idea of sort of how I go. So, you know, Tifa is one of those moments, actually. And she talks about leaving Wizards. And I thought that was one of my bigger moments of the year. And, you know, I, I had one guy who talked about how he knew he was an alcoholic. And I had one guy who admitted, you know, um, how hard it is to be a podcaster. And I just stitched all of those moments together. And it just gives you a a feeling of how I do things and how people, you know, um, handle themselves on on my show and things like that. 
I like that because um, it, it sounds like, and I have not listened, I didn't know you were a podcaster until you were like, yes, I'll come on. So um, I like your approach because it's the same as mine. It's it's focusing on people. It's focusing mm-hmm. on people who love things and um, people who have stories to tell. Mm-hmm. And I really... I don't know. Like I love, I love learning about people Mm -hmm. and I think that it's so valuable. I think that, I don't know. I think that we kind of lose that sometimes, you know, absolutely. You were talking about world of Warcraft and, and how, um, how magic is less isolating than world of Warcraft can be. And, um, I just I think that we get stuck in our own little isolation bubbles sometimes. And I, I really appreciate that we have shows like that too just learn about different perspectives and different people. My friend Adrian uh, said something to me the other day. I had a very brief brush with Gamergate oh. and uh, survived. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm a tough cookie. But um, so there was, I had a brush with Gamergate and my friend Adrian. Adrian is my, my moral compass. I like to joke that she's also my PR person. <laughs> um, whenever I feel like saying something stupid, I will filter it through oh, her. Nice. And, she'll be like, and she'll be like, no, 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 no. She's like, you can still call him a butthead, but be sure to start off with a positive. So, so she's very, she's also sort of my uh she's also one of my feminist sherpas you know she sort of led me through feminism and she's got me more involved in, in social justice and i love her to death for that but you know one of the things she said to me when i was going through that brush with gamergate is that gamergate exists to take you know gamergate is not interested in or how did she word it she said gamergate is not in the business of making people human. They're into taking their humanity away from them. They're into taking their identities from them. And what you do, she was talking about me, she was like, you make people human. And that's why they're scared of you because you make people human and they take that away. And if there are more people like you who who keep pushing that, that we are people, there is somebody behind that deck of cards, behind that computer screen. You know, it's it's that's a power. That's a powerful thing. And, and I didn't think of it like that. Like I was just like, why are they doing this? And, and she she was like, because they're scared as hell of you and people like you. And um, and that made me feel really good to be like, you know what? You know, it's, it, I'm doing good and that's a good thing. And that's that's what I want to be associated with. You know, and I think that's the best summary of Gamergate I've heard. <laughs> Isn't she good? I told yeah. you. <laughs> I mean, you know, because I've been I've fortunately, I guess they either don't want to bring attention to my show or it's, you know, not big enough that, you know, they don't care. But because I've had, you know, Brianna Wu, who is one of the biggest targets on the show. I had her on here a few days after she was targeted talking Mm. about it. And like, I stayed up. I was like the, the night before it dropped, I couldn't sleep because I was like, I'm going to be targeted. And, and I Mm. wasn't, thank goodness. I don't want it to start, but you know, (laughs) but that is the most succinct and accurate way I have heard to describe Gamergate. And that's just fascinating. Yeah. So uh, so she's a very wise lady. Uh, you can even follow her on Twitter. She's always she's always going off on huge tangents about all sorts of things. And she's also participating in an ethnography project, uh, as she calls it, couch surfing for science. So um, so if you know anybody whose couch she can stay on, she will study for you. She will study you and cook for you. And uh, she's an amazing lady. She's so smart and, and so brilliant and, and lovely. And I'm very, very lucky to know her. What's her username on hand on Twitter? She is a Dreamtime Drin. Um, and she's just so smart and she's, you know, wise and no nonsense. I just can't say enough about her. She's great. <laughs> she sounds wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. 
So we're coming close to an hour. Was there something else that you wanted to talk about while you were on the show? You know, I just, you know, I I think diversity is still, a th- I, I, I was looking forward to talking about diversity a little bit because there is such a, you know, Magic is obviously a game that is still very far behind in that mm-hmm. regard. And, and it's so interesting for me coming from World of Warcraft because, you know, World of Warcraft has actually made a lot more progress in that regard. You know, you see women who are guild leaders and raid leaders and main tanks and PVPers. And, you know, then you go to Magic where you're lucky if you're one of six women in a room. You know, it's it's very strange. And um, yeah, and, and, and there's also a realm called Proudmoore that is a predominantly thank you it's predominantly lgbt and they have a pride parade every year and they advertise it and it has a website and and then you go back to magic where the room is mostly cisgendered white males and you know you you do feel sort of like an anomaly there so it's very much a culture shock to go between the two games where you know you can be one of seven women in your guild and then go to a tournament and sometimes you're the only woman there and uh yeah i just would like to see more of that you know i'd like to see more women i'd like to see more LGBT folks. And um, I I hope that that's coming in 2015. Yeah. uh, And and I think Tifa taking the initiative and and starting the Lady Planeswalker Society is huge. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. it's it's a massive, massive stepping stone. And, you know, with some of the things that we were talking about for her plans for this year about like, you know, making it a nonprofit and, um, you know, getting establishing writing a code of conduct. And um, I think these are going to be awesome changes. And I don't know, you know, I don't know the magic landscape very well, but I hope that it takes off and I hope that it encourages more people to get involved. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we're the, the community of women that I know in Magic the Gathering, we're ready. Like, right. you know, if you come on the scene and you say you've got a podcast or a blog, we will follow you. We will retweet you. We will. I'll have you on my show. You know, we're willing to do anything we can to help another lady out. You know, I have a, a habit of just snap following somebody where it's like, oh, she's a woman and she plays Magic. <laughs> follow, you know, and uh, we want that. You know, we want to do anything we can to, to bolster our ranks. And uh, and that's a really great thing to be a part of. Um, you know, so we're doing everything we can. We just need people to, you know, I'm a big advocate of visibility and, and we need people that we can make visible, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like we're here, Absolutely. but we need you to be here too. So we can plug you and we can expose you to the events and, and uh, we just need the people to do it for. So what, what is the reception, you know, of the people of, I guess, I don't want to put it this way, but I can't think of a better way to put it. Hit me. So, <laughs> so, so there's definitely, um, I guess, magic's woman problem. Like there aren't mm-hmm. enough women. But what do the men think, and what is the reception of of women in the community? Or does it does it vary? It, it seems like it'd probably vary a great deal. It does vary a great deal. And, you know, I can only really speak about my personal experience. I certainly hear a lot from other women. Like we have a Facebook group called Ladies of MTG where people will either tell their success stories or they they will tell their horror stories. You know, I feel like I feel like as a whole the community wants to be better. I, I really don't know of any guys who are just adamantly opposed to the idea. Where I think the problem is, is they don't know how to do it. I know that yeah. sounds really strange, but like they don't know what to do where they're like, okay, do I 
should I say this? Do I say, do I do that? What do I, I really think the community means well. I don't think we have a bad community. I don't think we have a toxic community, but I just think they don't know what to do. And, and it's also not something that really can be taught. Like you, mm-hmm. you know, every woman is different. I can't make a list saying, this is how you get more women to play. This is what you say to every woman you meet. And it's just, I think it makes it that much more difficult to sort of attack where it's like, they mean well, but how do you, how do you teach that? How do you educate people? How do you, there's no set formula for that. Right. And I feel like, you know, most of the guys, they, I just don't think that, I don't think it's anything to do with malice or anything that's just negative. They just don't know what to do do like they're they're either socially awkward to begin with aren't we <laughs> um, all or they're right you know or they're so <laughs> consumed with not screwing it up or like oh god I don't want to offend her but I'm right. not going to say anything and that's going to help and no you can't do that either and um it's just a weird predicament to be in if it was pure malice I feel like that might almost be easier to deal with you know with yeah. people that are just kind of making mistakes and having to learn the hard way it's like oh god i want to help you but i don't know how and um it's it's weird yeah actually and i've i've so being kind of in this diversity space that i'm in you know i have coworkers i have had male coworkers like send me messages and say you know what do i do like yeah I don't feel like I'm discriminating against women. I don't feel like I'm a misogynist. I don't, you know, and, and what do I do? And then, you know, they'll, they'll say something to somebody on Twitter and, and a feminist on Twitter and the feminist will snap at them and they're like, okay, well now I have to stop talking because I'm obviously not welcome here. And, and all I can do is say, you know, sounds like similar to you. I am so sorry you had that experience. I can't speak for every woman and you know, I, I will I will help you the best I can, but I can't I don't have a very good answer for you. And mm-hmm. I wish I did. I wish I could hand you a rule book as, you know, toward, you know, being being a friend to women in tech, or, you know, <laughs> being a friend to women in magic. But it's just it's not cut and dry and it's individual and it's your personality and their personality and and your your community. And it people are complicated and <laughs> And it is going to sting a little bit. You know, I looking back on the last couple of years since I started playing magic and, and becoming more involved with feminism and social justice, those learning moments, they do sting a little they bit do. because you're having to you're having to face that reality of, you know, I said something I shouldn't have or I should have been wording it like this all the time or maybe I could have handled that better. But, you know, ultimately, you have to ask yourself, do I want to be right or do I want to be better? You know, yep. do I want to feel good but hate everybody and have everybody hate me or am I OK with a little pinch here and there, but knowing that I can be better coming out of it. And I had a moment the other day where I'm trying really, really hard not to use the word crazy so capriciously anymore. Yes. And, um, you I'm know, having a hard having, time with that too. I know. And yeah. I still, I still stutter and I'm yeah. still sorry about that. But, yeah. you know, having moments like that, having to look at your behavior and say, I did make a mistake. I shouldn't have said that word. Ow. You know, you feel that little pinch. Yeah. And you got to just, you got to kind of be okay pinching yourself a little bit, you know, um, having somebody confront you with something, you know, you can get angry or you can be like, yeah, I was kind of a butthead, yeah. you know, what am I going to do about it? And yeah. and I think people are afraid of being pinched where, you know, having to, to not be afraid to confront your words and um, you got to be open to that too, because it does hurt like hell. It does. And, yeah. Yeah. And I face that too, you know, in my space, like, I am a cis white woman, cis straight Mm -hmm. white woman. You know, I, 
I've had some diversity. I haven't had a ton of diversity. And so learning how to be an ally to people of color, um, people who are transgender, people who are gay or, you know, whatever, you know, these aren't my experiences and I messed up sometimes. And I am a very proud person. <laughs> you know, I, I will admit <laughs> that I am, I, I am proud and it. I really, really hate it when I have to admit that I'm wrong, you know, Mm -hmm. and I really I'm a really empathetic person and I really, really hate hurting people's feelings and misspeaking. But, you know, that's the only way I'm going to get better at this. And And you also have to ask yourself, you know, what are you willing to fall down and die for? Where like, you know, so I'll admit that since I've started trying to cut out crazy from my vocabulary, I don't necessarily... I don't want to say I don't agree with the mentality of cutting it out of my vocabulary, uh, but I also don't think it's something I'm really going to crusade for. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I can sit here and dig my heels in the ground and be like, I should be able to use crazy however I damn well want. But is that really my? Is that really what I want to go down for? Right. You know, like there are causes in this world that you want to go down swinging for. Am I really going to fight over crazy? You know, like like we had an incident in the magic community where there was a writer for Star City Games that was saying some really hateful things and. You know, he was like, I should be able to use the F word and you know what I'm talking about whenever I want. And we're like, that's your cause. Like that's rather than just sort of concede and be like, you know what? This is not something I want to be fighting over. I am not prepared to die for this cause. Mm -hmm. He was ready to go to the moon and back for it. And it was just like there are just some things in life that just aren't worth fighting for. We're like, you know what? It's much easier and it will ultimately be better. So why not just do it? Like, you know, is this is this worth fighting over? No. And, you know, it's just I, I think what people choose to champion is very strange. You know, I told. Yeah, I do, too. I, I I'm going to defend too. my right to be a jerk. Well, yeah. <laughs> Even though I may not agree with the mentality behind or the reasoning for cutting out crazy, what good does it do me to hold on tight to it? You know, it just doesn't. So sure, I'll cut it out of my my vocabulary and and I'll use more eloquent words like ludicrous and ridiculous and, you know, silly. Don't be silly, you know, or or bonkers. You know, I'll come up with fun words. I'll sound more verbose, you know, (laughs) win-win. You know, it just doesn't sound like anything I'm ready to die over, like... Yeah. Yeah, I totally understand. I I I totally I'm with You're gonna you. lose all your friends because you won't you won't give up the word crazy. Like right. good luck with that, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it it's you know, people gotta choose, but I, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't understand. Yeah. Crazy crazy is a hard one for me. I probably said it on this episode and um <laughs> because it's just it's so ingrained in Yeah. It, it's a go to word for me, whether that's it's that pinch again where yeah. someone tells you it's wrong and you're like, Ow, I didn't uh-huh. know. <laughs> and I and I say it and I don't realize it and yeah. you know I understand that that people think it's people consider it ableist language and you know discriminatory toward people or or painful to people who have mental illness and and I totally and completely understand that and I don't want to to contribute toward them feeling bad but I'll be damned if it isn't one of the hardest things I've ever had to stop saying. Oh yeah. I know yeah. my big one is a I also use the word lame. I know that was another yeah. one. Like, oh, that's lame. And I also am a, uh, as a trans person, I also don't necessarily have a problem with the word tranny. And I know tranny gate was a big thing last year where I love RuPaul's Drag Race. And there was an instance where, you know, she had used that word in the episode and, and a lot of transgender folks were upset. And, you know, I was one of the trans folks where it didn't necessarily bother me and it still doesn't necessarily bother me. But, you know, again, it's one of those things where I have tried to cut back on that 
word where even though I may use it in my personal life, I won't necessarily tweet it anymore. I won't necessarily put it in the podcast anymore. And again, just getting better at choosing those battles where it's like, do I really want to throw away all my listeners because I can't give up tranny? No, you know, like just there's just ways to still. So you say it amongst your two closest friends. Cool. You don't say it to your 2000 followers. There's just ways to um, to, to play the game and fight the war. Yeah. So. I've had such a good time talking to you. <laughs> I've had a good time talking to you too. Like I said, it's been building up for two weeks. I know. I'm glad we got it good. Yeah. Erin, so, <laughs> how can people find you? Oh God, I'm so accessible. Um, <laughs> I'm everywhere. I am really. Um, I, and I always feel really bad about that. Like people will ask me to be on their podcast and I'll, I'll sometimes have to cancel or reschedule. Cause I'm like, you know what? I was on that show this week, this website. I don't want people to get sick of me. I just, let's just space it out a little bit. Yeah. So, um, so Twitter, I am original asterisk. It is O R I G I N A L O E S T R U S. And asterisk is my world of Warcraft name. So that's where that came from. So People always go, well, what's an Oestrus? I'm like, it's Estrus, and that's me. <laughs> so so Original Estrus is my Twitter name. Uh, the, the show is sponsored by GatheringMagic.com. Uh, so you can find the show there. It comes out every Monday. Uh, the show is also on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. So depending on how you get your podcast, you can get it either way. Uh, the show has its own email, thedactees.gmail.com. I do respond to all emails, most tweets, unless it's buried in there somewhere. I'm pretty accessible. Uh, you know, I have my own Playmats. You can purchase those as well if you want to support the show. Uh, inkedplaymats.com. You can search the deck tees. Um, I'm pretty much pretty much everywhere. So. Nice. It's good. It's a good thing. I hope so. <laughs> They're gonna be like, "Is that her again?" Like, uh, oh man. No, right. I don't think. You know, you tweeted out that that you and I would be talking, and um, and I got like four followers just <laughs> just like That's that. That's what they call so. the. That goes back to the Oprah of magic thing, it's sort of like the, <laughs> the O effect, where I say somebody's name and then bam, 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 and it'll even happen. Like I, we like I said yesterday, I went to a magic tournament and we went out for burgers, and she, uh, the woman I went for out for burgers with, was somebody who started off as just a listener of the show, but now she's my friend, and it was the same thing. We were at the dinner table and I was like having burgers with so-and-so and and I could hear her phone just chiming within (laughs) seconds. And and she's like, who are these people? Oh, that's mine. That I know him. She she listens to my show. And they're like, oh, so that's fun, though. (laughs) Yeah. So, and that's what it's about. It's really about, you know, spreading the love and building the community. And that's what that's what you're supposed to do. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad magic <laughs> has you. It's amazing. It's a good thing. Oh, man, that reminds me of, uh, you know, again, going back to the love that people show me. It's it's so crazy. Sorry. It's so strange. Um, you know, I was a kid who was bullied and and didn't have a lot of love in my life. Like I had good parents, but I, I never had a lot of friends. And it's very strange to be 31 and be the cool kid and be showered with the love that I received for doing the show. And, um, you know, to have people approach me at events. And uh, I was at an event in Chicago back in June and this woman named Julie came up to me and uh, she listened to the show and she ended up sitting next to me at the tournament and she looked at me and she goes, I love your show and I love you. And I'm like, what do you say to that? You know, and, and it's the love I get just for doing something I I love to do just blows me away. Like it's, it's just, um, it's, it's amazing. Nice. Very cool. Well, Aaron, it's been a pleasure. It really has. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anytime <laughs> you want me to come back, and I got to find yes. a reason to have you on my show. So, well, um, you know, I, I, it's hard for me to get to the game store. <laughs> you know, like it, it just, 
It is that, you know, I work from home, so I don't have like a commute as an excuse. And uh, so, but um, I am interested in, I, I don't know that I would ever get super involved in magic, but I think it'd be fun just to, to go in and, and bear you know, your soul on my show. <laughs> and that too. I have a confessional moment where you're like, you know, I I didn't get the lollipop when I was six. It's like, oh, it's okay, Elaine. It's okay. Yes, you're going to be all right. (laughs) Didn't need all that sugar anyway. Right? Yes. Just bury, you know. I was never the prettier sister. Oh, I'm an only child. I oh, win. me too. Nice. Rock on. <laughs> Who, sharing is for suckers. That's we don't right. need siblings. <laughs> and my husband too. So it's been, you know. Nice. We've got both of us with our only children mentality. So. Oh, man. My last boyfriend was a middle child and it was so obvious. It was just like, <laughs> ugh, you know. Man, I love and I love the psychology of those things like, you know, birth orders and dating and, and horoscopes. And I'm, I'm totally into all that. Nice. All right. Well, I've got to get back to work, but it was such a pleasure. Have a great day. <laughs> All right. Well, keep me in, keep in touch and keep doing what you do because I really do think you're onto something here. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye. Hi. You can find the show on Twitter at less than or equal. If you have feedback, suggestions for guests, or would like to be a guest, please go to less than or equal.com and fill out the contact form. If you have a few minutes, it would be great if you'd leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Until next time, on an internet near you, I'm Aline Sims for Less Than or Equal.